Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Holy and gracious God, I confess that I have sinned against you this day. Some of my sin I know, the thoughts and words and deeds of which I am ashamed, but some is known only to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask forgiveness. Deliver and restore me that I may rest in peace. By the mercy of God, we are redeemed by Jesus Christ, and in him we are forgiven. We rest now in his peace and rise in the morning to serve him. Amen. The Old Testament reading, which uh, you'll recall from Sunday morning, is the story of the testing of Abraham. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And Isaac said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went both of them together. And when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And the angel said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle reading from uh, just a couple of verses here from Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shit. 
let's spend a few minutes uh, thinking about uh, the testing of Abraham here in Genesis chapter 22. Whenever I talk about this too, um, I always try to make the point that what God is asking, so God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. This is not something that's going to happen to you. Um, I had a lady tell me one time, a long time ago, tell me, like, this is just craziness. Like, that takes the kind of faith that I can't have. Like, if God came and said to me, will you sacrifice your son? I don't think I could do it. And, and, I, and I said to her, well, yeah, that's good. You're not supposed to do it. You're in a different position than Abraham. God had promised Abraham through Isaac, your offspring will be called. And so Abraham knew Isaac is the kid. God is going to raise up offspring through Isaac. He's still a young boy. He doesn't have kids yet, but God promised that he would have kids. Therefore, in Abraham's mind, he can't die. So this is not anything that God is ever going to ask you However, to, to do. However, there are some things that Abraham is experiencing here, which you and I experience as well. But when we wrestle with uh, our own hearts and our own heart's propensity to raise up false gods. And so tonight, let's look at a few of these things that, that, that parallel Abraham's experience and my experience and your experience as we relate to God as fallen human people. And so there's three things I want to look at here that Abraham's experienced and we, have, we experienced too. And the first is uh, there's a desire, a second, a sacrifice, and third, a gift. So first of all, a desire. Abraham has a desire. It's the central controlling desire of his life and of his story in the, in the Old Testament, and that is the desire for a son. If you go back to Genesis chapter um, uh, 15, let me flip back here and read it to you. God meets with him, meets with Abraham and says, Abraham, you are my guy. I'm, I'm your God. You're going to be my person. I am your God, and you're going to be my person. And I am going to be, he says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 15, I am your shield and your very great reward. I'm your shield and your very great reward. God says to Abraham, like, I will be your reward. I'm going to give you myself. That's, that's what I'm getting, the greatest thing in the universe. And I promise I will always be your shield. And Abraham says, essentially, that's great, God. I'm glad that I get a relationship with the eternal God. However, very next line, God tells him that I'm going to be your shield and your very great reward. And then in verse 2, Abram says, it says, but Abram said, God says, I'll be your reward. But Abram said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you myself. And Abraham sa Abram says, but what do I get? I want a child. That's what I want. It's, Abram's, it's Abraham's deepest desire to have a kid, so much so that when God offers him himself, he says, ah, but what about the kid? That's what I really, really want. I'm glad for you, God, but I really want a kid. In fact, in the very next chapter, Genesis 16, Abram, desperate for this kid, has sex with his wife's servant girl in order to get her pregnant. He wants something, so it's great. It's a, the desire to have a kid is a great desire, right? But willingness to sin in order to get that desire shows that Abraham's desire for a kid is actually an idol. It's become the center of his life. It's actually become God. This isn't abnormal. Uh, Angela and I felt like this in the past. There was a time when we did not have kids, and we really wanted kids, and we weren't having kids. And this sort of desperation, like, God, I can't be happy unless you give us kids. Some of you have experienced that. If you haven't, you don't know what I'm talking about. It'll be something else for you. It's also not abnormal in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 30, Abraham 
grandson, Jacob, is married to a woman named Rachel. Rachel wants a kid, and she can't have a kid. And she, she comes to her husband, Jacob, and she says to him, give me children or I'll die. In Genesis 30, give me children or I'll die. And what's she saying? My life is not worth living if I don't have kids. I can only be happy. I can only be fulfilled if I have children. In fact, God does give her a kid, um, Joseph. She names him Joseph. Joseph in Hebrew means let him be added to. That's what Joseph means. In other words, thanks for the son. Now how about another son? She has another son, and she names him uh, um, uh, uh, Benjamin, which can mean uh, that's the name he ends up with, but the name that she wanted to give him as she's dying in childbirth is son of my sorrow. Your idols will kill you. That's the lesson from that. The thing that you put in the center of your life, if it's not God, is going to turn around and kill you. This desire for children is going to kill Abraham unless, it's get check, unless it gets checked. Now, maybe it's not a desire for children. Maybe it's something like a desire for children, but you already have kids. Maybe it's a desire that your I talk to people like this all the time. Like The most important thing to me is that my kids be happy and healthy and well-adjusted. That's a, that's, a, that's a fine thing to want. But if that becomes the center of your life, it's going to kill you. I've talked to lots of people who, well, I shouldn't say lots of people. I've talked to people who've come from families where there was massive amounts of conflict avoidance because the mom or the dad in the family just wanted everybody to be happy. There were affairs that were kind of plastered over. There was abuse that was ignored. There was broken, fractured relationship between husband and wife, between parents and kids that were ignored because somebody in the family just wanted everybody to be happy. Families devastated by this desire that everything be happy. For some of us, it's, the, it's a desire to be attractive. Like, God, I won't be happy unless there's people that like me. I won't be happy unless I find somebody who's really into me. This is what's behind, uh, I'm convinced, a lot of relationship problems. This is, this is what's behind a lot of porn addiction, is this desire to have somebody, like, I just want somebody to be into me and be attractive. You're not going to ever get that with a normal person in the way that you want it because normal people can never carry the weight of your desire to be attractive. That idol, it's, it's not bad to want to be attractive. It's not bad to want people to like you. You were created for this. You were created for community. You were created for love. But placed at the center of your life, if you say, God, give me a, a, give me a lover or I'll die. God, give me friends or I'll die. That isn't going to end up killing you. It is going to end up, you, you are going to end up dying from it. For some of us, it's the desire to be included. We just want, we just want friends. We're lonely and we want friends. We sense that there's people having good relationships and we want to be a part of it. Again, not a bad thing, but placed in the center of our life, it becomes an idol that can kill us. I want security. I just, I just want to know that I can pay the bills that are coming in next month. Again, not a bad thing. But people have made an awful lot of bad decisions because they've made an idol out of financial security or relationship security. People have gotten married to people they shouldn't have gotten married to because they just want a spouse. They want the security of knowing I've got somebody. These idols will kill you. The way that God deals with Abraham's idol is, first of all, he doesn't deny him a son. He doesn't say, you, you love your son more than me? Fine, you're not getting a son until you get that straightened out. The way God deals with it is, is he gives him a son, but then he asks him to, here's the second part, to sacrifice that son. And that's exactly what it is. It's a sacrifice. Look what he says in verse two. The angel of the Lord appeared to, uh, um, I'm sorry, I got to, uh, get myself back in Genesis 22. 
uh, God appears to Abraham and says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. He makes a point of recognizing, I know that you are psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, physically invested in this center of your life. This son that you've desperately hoped for, that you finally got when you were 100 years old. I know you love him, but here's what I want you to do, Abram. I want you to take this son whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. He doesn't tell him, your son's too important. I want you to kill him. He says, I want you to offer him as an offering to me. I want him back. That's what he's saying. God is asking for Abraham to sacrifice his idols back to God. Give it back over to me. Abraham's got a choice. Abraham can fight God. He can say, nope, this son's more important to you. He can co-opt God. He can say, well, I believe in God. I kind of understand what he's saying, but God really, he wants me to be happy, right? He, what's wrong with having a son? What's wrong with loving your kids? Or he can trust God. He can say to God, I'm going to give back this thing that you gave to me because I love you more than I love this son. I'm, I, I am convinced that I need you or I'll die, not I need Isaac or I'll die. Are you prepared to do this? Are you prepared to have your children not be on your side? Are you prepared for your children not to turn, the way out, to turn out the way that they wanted to? Are you prepared to have a broken relationship with your spouse? I'm not saying that, any, that all these things are good and you should be aiming for these things, but if that is your lot, are you prepared to say, God, I'm giving that to you? Are you prepared to not be attractive to anybody? Are you prepared to say, God, I don't, need, I don't need a spouse, I just need you. God, I don't need friends, I just need you. Are you prepared to be lonely? Are you prepared to live a life with a complete lack of security? Are you prepared to live as a poor person and say, I don't need money, I don't need this house, I don't need the socioeconomic group that I'm currently mingling in, all I need is you. That's the sacrifice that God is calling Abraham to. The third thing, though, and this is gonna fix everything, there's a gift, and the gift is, Let's circle back to God wants to be Abram's shield and very great reward. That's where he's pulling Abraham back to, the moment where, he, where Abraham can say, I can only be happy if I have you, God. How does he do this? How does Abraham get to the point where he says, all I need is God? Well, the writer of Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He was able to give up the son that he loved, the, 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 most of anything in the whole world, he was able to give that back to God because he remembered the promise, verse 18, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And because he knew that God had given this son to him as a gift, that it was okay for him to turn it over to God because he considered, verse 19, that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. The things that you give back to God, he is able to give them back to you powerfully. God doesn't want you to be lonely. God doesn't want you to, um, uh, God wants you to have a good marriage. If you're willing to give these things over to him, these idols that we place at the center of our life, God wants you to have a good relationship with your kids. He wants to give you himself back. And then it's quite possible as the Lord of your children, as the Lord of your social life, as the Lord of your finances, that he can take care of all the rest. But he does not want you to love those things and to think of him as the servant whose job it is to give you those things. He wants you, he wants him to be 
your shield and very great reward. There's two parts to the Abraham coming to understand this. The first is this, and, and, and for us too, know that only God can satisfy the deepest desires of your heart. Only God, the thing that you're longing for, the thing that Abraham is longing for in this son, that son can never actually meet that longing. That the only thing that can meet that longing is God himself. Look at verse 12 of uh, Genesis 22. Uh, so Abraham is prevented from sacrificing his son Isaac. Um, and the angel of the Lord says to Abraham, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. That's the test. What's the test? Abraham, do you fear God? What, what does he mean? What he means is this. Abram, do you fear losing me more than you fear losing the son? What makes you, what, what, what is your deepest nightmare? Losing me? or losing your son. And Abram says, it's losing you, God. What's your deepest desire, me or your son? It's a hard thing. If you have kids, this is a desperately hard question to answer honestly. What's your deepest desire? Is it money or is it God? What God wants to know is, what do you fear most? Do you fear me or do you fear poverty? Do you fear me or do you fear loneliness? Do you fear me or do you fear losing your kids? Do you fear me or do you fear losing your spouse? To get to the place where we say, I think that my children can make me happy, but I know that they can't, that only God can carry that weight, is the place that Abraham gets to and that God wants us to get to. You think that if you were attractive, you would finally be happy, but really the only way you'll be happy is when you experience God's attraction to you. That's what your heart, that, that, that's what your heart most wants. Your heart doesn't want a good-looking spouse. Your heart doesn't want funny and intelligent friends. You could get those things, and your heart would still be empty. What your heart really wants is the God of the universe to be attracted to you. That's the only thing that's actually going to finally turn you on. You may think that, like, I, I just can't be lonely. You might think that if you could be included with, like, some cool group of people that you would finally be happy, but what your heart really desperately wants is to be included in the Trinity. You want the God of all creation to look at you and say, for the sake of my son, Jesus Christ, you're my kid, no questions asked. I always completely, unreservedly accept you as my own. That's what our hearts deepest, most deeply want. You may think that financial security will make you happy, but what you really want is the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the God who owns every penny in the entire universe. That's what your heart really craves. We have to know that only God can satisfy the deepest desires of our heart. And here's the second part of Abraham's gift realization. Know that God never asks us to sacrifice for him. Instead, he sacrifices for us. God asks you to give up the idol of your children, the idol of your money, the idol of your sexuality, the idol of your social life. God asks you to give these up, but not because he wants you to sacrifice for him as some sort of proof that you have to show, show him that, 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 he's, that he's the most important. He just wants to remove the barriers between you and your experience of him as your, as, as your own very great reward. Ultimately, he doesn't want you to sacrifice. He wants to show you that you can experience his sacrifice for you. Where do we get that? Verse 8, look at verse 8. Isaac says to Abraham, where is the lamb? And Abraham presciently says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. 
I'm not the first person to notice this, but it looks like Abraham is fully convinced that God is going to somehow provide a lamb himself, that Abraham's not going to have to make the sacrifice, that God himself is going to, in the end, make the sacrifice himself. Other interesting thing about this, and maybe some of you know this, maybe some of you don't, look down in verse 13 and 14. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. Here's the sacrifice that God provided. Behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. An offering instead of his son. The location is very important too. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. What's that last line about? Some editor went in there and added, this is the mount, this is the mount of the Lord. This is Mount Moriah, we're told. Mount Moriah is the place where in 2 Chronicles 3, Solomon decided we're building the temple here. It is finally the place where God is ultimately going to dwell. It's finally the place where all the sacrifices, which prefigure and point forward to the great sacrifice of Jesus for us, happens. And it all starts here with the sacrifice of Isaac. Already embedded in Genesis 22 is this notion that God never asked you to sacrifice for him. He just wants the barriers down. He just wants to get rid of the idols that we have. Not the things that are the idols, but the worship of those things so that you can experience that he is the God who gives up himself to die for us. These two things. That's the gift of Genesis 22. That God is the only one who can satisfy the deepest desires of our heart. And he does this by sacrificing himself for us on Calvary. He is our shield. He is our very great reward. Let's stand and pray. Let's pray. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. In righteousness I shall see you. When I awake, your presence will give me joy. Be present, merciful God, and protect us through the hours of this night so that we who are wearied by the changes and chances of life may find our rest in you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And taught by our Lord and trusting His promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless you and keep you. Amen.